Welcome back to another episode of Beauty Beyond Betrayal, ladies. I'm so glad you're joining me on this Friday. I have a special guest on today's broadcast. Her name is Juliana Page, and she is the host of God's Vibes podcast. Now, she's going to be sharing with us some of her journey with God, as well as how she came out of a narcissistic relationship and what she learned from that. Also, we're going to be really diving into how not to become a victim when you've been victimized. That is so important when we have gone through betrayal. We don't want to stay under the banner of a victim. We definitely want to walk in victory, even though we may have been victimized. We're going to explore all of that and more on Beauty Beyond Betrayal. But before we jump into the main episode, I want to just tell you, if you have had just an aha moment on any of these episodes, if you have been blessed through Beauty Beyond Betrayal, I would so appreciate it if you would take 60 seconds to leave a five-star review and just write out how this has blessed you in some way, shape, or form. When you do this over on Apple Podcast, this gets the message out around the world to other women who are in need of this message of hope and healing from the devastation of their husband's affair. And there are many across the globe because I hear from you every single day. And so just take that 60 seconds today, if you would, it would be such a blessing to not only me, but to all the women who this broadcast gets in front of. So take that 60 seconds today, leave us a five-star review over on Apple Podcast even, you know, share a little testimonial over there. Share us out on IG and Facebook, or maybe even below in the show notes, you can click on that link where you can ask me any question or leave a verbal testimony there, and I will actually air it on one of our podcasts. I would love to feature you there. So without further ado, let's jump into the episode. Ladies, I am so over the top excited today. I can't stand myself really um, because we've got this amazing special guest that I have on the podcast today and you're in for a treat. So I really think you should probably grab your favorite latte, grab another cup of coffee, something like that, your notebook, your pen, because you're one of going to take notes, believe me on this. Um, because I have in the house today, the one and only Juliana Page. She is, <laughs> she's the host of the God's Vibes podcast, which if you haven't gone over and listened, you need to head over there. She's also a master coach, five-time author, prophetic trainer, and the minister of God's Vibes. She is all about transforming self-sabotage into self-mastery so that you can finally revolutionize your world. Now, I don't know about you, but that excites me. So it should excite you. And when she and I get together, we've kind of stumbled upon each other a number of weeks ago. And when she and I get together, there's no telling what God's going to (laughs) do. So buckle up today, ladies, because we've got something great in store for you. So welcome, beautiful. Yes, thank you so much for having me. I'm just like all smiles because I'm like, we we really don't know what God's gonna do. We're buckling up too. Like 
I know because there really there is no telling what God is going to do in this. Now, you know, of course, I've got a few things that I really, really want the ladies to hear from you about. But it's like, okay, God, this is your journey today. So whatever you have, bring it, right? That's it. Bring it. Bring it on. Let's go. <laughs> so I would love for you to just share with everyone just a little bit about who you are and how you ended up like being this voice for God, talking about this, you know, transforming this self-sabotage into self-mastery. 100%, 100%. I will, what I love, if nobody has ever done this before, there's so much power in your name and it has so much to do with your identity and your destiny. So I will say that Juliana Page actually means joyful or youthful and then Paige's servant or messenger. So that's truly who I am. If I were to describe that to you is I'm a joyful servant, a youthful messenger. I love that thought because I get to have this childlike wonder. I get to play even as an adult, which I think is really great, especially if you are somebody that had to grow up early, which I did. So it's just really sweet that God is redeeming the time through even my identity, which I love and is so fun. But I am somebody that really struggled with three questions as early as 10. Because when I was 10, my adoptive mother put me on the phone with my birth mom and said, your mom wants to talk to you. Oh, wow. Now she was struggling with alcoholism at the time, but in that moment, my birth mom and I were connecting and I knew that she was not acting. And she thought that I knew this secret that I had no idea. So in this 10 year old version of me, I started asking, who am I? Why am I here? And how am I going to make a difference? And I wrestled with that. Those, those questions really tormented me until I later in life put them in the hands of God, right? Yeah. So for me, a majority of life was self-sabotage because when you don't know better, you just keep trying to find answers. And the world, other people, <laughs> so many yeah. things have answers, <laughs> but they're not the answer necessarily. And it might not be wisdom. It might not be sound counsel. And so I was really going fast in all the wrong directions and that gets old really fast. And unless the Lord builds it, it doesn't stand. So I just kept doing a lot of good things, a lot of great things, very high achieving, but I was exhausted. And I think the biggest thing that I wrestled with was love, right? In that moment, I think love, safety, a sense of home was stripped from me. And I didn't know that. So I was living through life very fast. I could not slow down, which I know we have that in common. The whole idea of being still was like, nah, we ain't going to do that. Nobody has time <laughs> to be still. Like, we're going to go as fast as we can and figure it all out because the humans I was surrounded by didn't know. And I wasn't trained up in the way I should go. I didn't come from a legacy of faith. It was a ton of fear. It was a ton of dysfunction. I say all the isms. So if it was like alcoholism, workaholism, throwingism in there, like we had it, right? We just had generational curses and it never occurred to me that one person standing up can change all of these generations and you can start releasing blessings. And I'm like, I'm about that life though. Like, how does one do that? And I could not for the life of me figure it out without God. And I don't think that you can. So that's just a little smidge of what's behind yeah. the work that I'm doing, but yeah. 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 You know, you really described at such an early age, a trauma moment for yourself. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And you also described that from trauma, 
you started self-sabotaging. And I honestly believe in working with women, I see it all the time, that when we've been traumatized, whether it's through betrayal, and, and in a sense, you were betrayed at an early moment in your life, right? Mm-hmm. Um, when we've been betrayed, we go on a journey of self-sabotage. Yeah. So yeah. talk to me a little bit and talk to our listeners a little bit about what, what does a journey of self-sabotage actually look like? Because a lot of people can't recognize that. 100%. And we think it's normal. It's actually usually accepted in the world, right? It sounds great. It looks great usually. Um, but this can look very different. I say that we have, all of us have our unique sabotage, a unique self-sabotage cocktail. Let me put it that way. So okay. we have our own way that we've learned to cope, to survive, to sort of limp through life. Okay. So you're, you're never thriving. You're really never progressing. You're kind of just getting through and that's exhausting. And we have this way of showing the world that we're good, but we're not. So mine happened to be perfectionism. That was a great one. Like I was the one that couldn't have any problems or Mm -hmm. couldn't stir up drama and had to be the one that had it all together. So in, in the dynamic that I was in, you know, I had a mother that was struggling with alcoholism, a father that was a doctor. So he was definitely the workaholism, non-emotion route. I had a younger sister that was an infant. And then I have an older sister that was rebellious. So I had to be the one that was like that middle <laughs> that yeah. didn't have any issues and that did really, really well. Like, cause our family could not afford to have another problem. Yeah. So somewhere in me that was rooted that you can't be a problem. You have to keep it together. And that's really what perfectionism is. It's really masking who you are to be accepted around you. Another one was uh, high achieving. I had to be busy all the time and I had to achieve. I had to do all these things that were celebrated because I could either have just positive attention on me or no attention, right? So the high achieving started to come, whether that was grades, athletics, whatever it was, whatever ladder you could climb and achieve, I was going after that sucker and I was going to get the top, right? So we're going to get the A's. We're going to like win the competitions. We're going to do those things. So that was a lot of it. And then it was also a ton of self-abandonment, a ton of self-betrayal. And that usually looks like I have a need, but I'm not going to express it because these other needs around me are more important. Or I have this desire, but I'm not even going to bring it up because we, we can't even create space for that. Like I'm just, there's no room for that. So over time, I just learned to not exist really right? Like I I learned to exist in the confines of what was acceptable. And this is crazy depending on how you're raised and how you're groomed. So like we had a certain set of what was allowed, what could be talked about, what could be celebrated, all of that. And then we had a whole bunch of what we don't talk about, what we hide, what we push down. And I just learned to do that. You're not allowed to have needs. You're not allowed to have desires. You're just allowed to do what this family can handle, right? So that was huge. And I didn't know until later in life, that I started to see this come through in relationships where I would tolerate things that were totally unacceptable, but I'm like, oh, we'll just give the benefit of the doubt because that's what you do. Or I would keep forgiving some really unforgivable things because that's also what a good human does, right? Or I would deny my needs again, right? I would really overcompensate for another person and then wonder why there was no return on investment and that kept happening. And I'm like, this is not, I don't get it. Like, why do I keep getting blindsided in these relationships? But they're often a mirror. And so a lot of times when we're in relationship, 
we have a tendency to focus on the other person, how they've wronged us and all these things. Right. But I started looking at it from what am I doing here? And like, where did I learn these things? Because this isn't healthy. Like I'm not meant to be treated this way. I'm not meant to feel like this. I'm not meant to just give, give, give and get nothing in return. Like where did this come from? So I start, I started to really see it in relationships because that's often where heart issues come up. And that was the core self-sabotage for me. The core of it was heart. I had a really sick, broken heart and I didn't know that. Right. So that, that came out later. Yeah. Yes. That's a beautiful way to put it. And I love how you kind of segued into the relationship part of it, because, you know, you and I've talked about, um, in those relationships, you know, you saw the red flags. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Major red flags. Yeah. But yet you tolerated the red flags for mm-hmm. such a long period of time. What or was the excuse them away or whatever we do? We yeah. have our fun way of being in denial. Yeah. yeah. And I and I think that we as women, we do that because we are looking for that love. Mm-hmm. We are looking for that acceptance, right? Because we want something tangible. Mm-hmm. So we do tolerate it. And we, but at the end of the day, the only one who can give us the perfect love that we're looking for is Christ. Mm-hmm. He's the only one that can fulfill that deep desire of love within us. Yeah. So we unfortunately settle for something that's counterfeit in a sense. 100%. I call it looking for love in all the wrong places, right? Yeah. And I think in this case too, and this is a common one with a lot of women, we're looking for the love that we didn't get. And that's usually never healthy, but we're, we're looking for it in the places that we didn't get it. So a lot of times for a lot of women, this happens to be men, right? We're looking for love and affection and attention from men. So like in my case, if I was neglected, oh, like I don't need praise. I don't need support. Like I don't need, you know, I can be this independent, self-sufficient, And I can have like companionship maybe, but like somebody actually pouring in or blessing me or covering me or praying for me. Like these are wild concepts. Like it doesn't make sense. So you don't even know how to receive it. You just are used to living without it. And then you don't even require it, which becomes a problem (laughs) because that's not sustainable. Right. So like, that's an example of that. Or even if it is a mother figure, right. Which I actually had three mother figures that didn't mother. Right. So when that comes to you on the receiving end, you don't know how to self-soothe. You don't know how to nurture yourself. You don't know how to accept yourself. You don't know how to support yourself. And then you don't, again, require this of other people. Yeah. But you're expected to give them all these things that you didn't get, which so is why no wonder yeah. you're exhausted, right? Like, right, right. That's what I was going to say. This left you in such a state of exhaustion. It, yes. it had to have leave you, left you that way. Well, I know that, you know, when you and I had met and we kind of, talked for quite a while when we first met <laughs> talked about you had come out of a narcissistic relationship and a lot of women that listen to the broadcast are dealing with relationships like this and they unfortunately they feel like well I either have to stay in it and just tolerate it because you know, in order to be accepted or to have this love that I'm looking for, I'm going to have to stay here. Or they're like, well, no, I need to get out of it. But how do you get out of a narcissistic relationship? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I will say, I mean, this isn't something that you even Google, (laughs) Right. (laughs) right? Like, for me, I didn't even know what I was in. This is actually what led me to the Lord. It was this relationship 
and being totally freaked out by it that led me to God because what started what, what was so freaking out about it for you? Yeah. So I think, I mean, a lot of things, <laughs> but if I were to describe some, right. One was I could be looking at this person like in their eyes and just see darkness. And that was wild. I've never experienced that in my life. I would have chills running up and down my body. And there was also like a smirk or some weird face that was like sort of smiley, but not that like totally freaked me out. Um, and then he could go back just to being like a normal human, but I would see, keep seeing like glimpses of this is not who you're dealing like this is who you're dealing with, not this person. And that kept really making me uncomfortable. And I would see that a lot in private with this person specifically, or he could really show himself and present himself one way. And then within minutes be a totally different human right? Be like really like kind and charming and be aggressive and mean and just wicked and evil. And I'm like, how does that coexist in a human? And why am I on the receiving end of this? Like nothing was coming from me that was even instigating that. Yeah. It was very uncomfortable. It was a lot of um, kind of like push pull, just very like there was, it seemed like a lot of games were being played. It was definitely manipulation operating and I was very confused by it. It was psychological warfare. It was definitely spiritual manipulation because he actually invited me to church. Like that's what started happening, which was just I remember that. Yeah. wild, you know? And I thought that's a big thing. That's like going to meet somebody's family. Like they're inviting you into their world in a different way. And I'm like, wow, this is so amazing. I'm like being invited to church, right? I'm like soaking it up at the time. We're learning a ton of messages on grace. This would later be the church that I would serve in ministry or recovery ministry for years. It was just wild. He probably did not anticipate any of that. Right. But this was part of his agenda. He wanted to show me this person that he was not and really rely on the, the piece of that, that you would attach to, Oh, here's a godly man. He's going to church. He knows all this scripture. Like it was definitely like a spiritual manipulation, which I didn't even know to be on the lookout for or catch um, he would say he'd be in one place and would be somewhere else. Like there was a lot of lying happening and I would catch him in the act of lies. A lot of times I watched him walk another woman out of his apartment when I was trying to surprise him with a gift on his car. Like God just knew, like he had me see these things of this, things aren't quite what you see, right? They're, yeah. they're how they seem. He kept showing me these moments, but it was just crazy making if I could describe it. And I didn't know how to deal with that. I remember sitting in church just thinking, man, like I can't keep getting into a position like that. Like I can't be blindsided like this. I was craving discernment. And I'm like, God, you got to help me. Like I am in some sort of battle that I don't even know what this is. Like I wasn't church, right? So I didn't know anything about spiritual warfare. I didn't know anything about narcissistic abuse. I had no idea. I'm just like, this is way bigger than me. And there's no way I can fight this. Like, you've got to help me, right? Meanwhile, all the messages were on grace at that time, right? So I start to realize that this is what I'm dealing with. Like, very shortly after that, like, I'd given my life to God. Very shortly after that, he has me on different websites where I'm being educated on narcissistic abuse. Now I'm just like jaw to the floor, like looking at this, like this is reading my mail. Like right. this is my are experiencing this. Like, why does no one talk about this? Like, what is that? It was not a buzzword like it is today. Like a lot of times people throw that around now. Um, but it was not something common. I was mind blown. And there was even a guy that is a narcissist that was revealing all of his tactics. It was insane. I was just like, this is, what am I up against? And I was truly seeing how it was operating. Now I'm also starting to read my word 
It's starting to become alive and active to me. I'm learning how to pray, which I didn't even know how to do. So I am praying things like I'm declaring them out loud. I'm seeing them get answered. Right. I'm like, this is nuts. Like, what am I doing? Right. Like, this is crazy. Or God would be highlighting things in the word. And I'd be so emotional because he's being so faithful and I'm seeing that I'm being protected. And at one point I had asked him to remove the relationship, right? Like if this is not sent by you, if this is not of you, like I am not strong enough and I need you to remove it. Literally the next day he removed this gentleman from my life, literally the next day. I'm like, okay, that's God. But he continued to educate me because this isn't something that just leaves your life willingly. It keeps kind of like showing up and you might think, oh, this person is healed. They had a full on heart transformation. You're like, nah, they didn't. They're the same human, right? So I was still in that church and I would keep seeing him bring other women into the church. Didn't matter where I sat, I would somehow still see him, (laughs) right? I'm like, this is crazy. So he was still working the tactics, which was revealing to me, he's not getting better. And then he would keep trying to, to reach out. It's following that whole abuse cycle. So he would keep trying to hoover me, which was a theme. And I just knew better right? Like I knew now what to do and I could keep seeing how much stronger I kept getting, which was absolutely insane. But to your point, I didn't know what it was, but I just trusted that God would guide me to the education that I needed, to the resources that I needed. I was in a recovery program. So he, the very church I was invited to, I was now leading a recovery group. So I was going through the recovery group you you were recovering from. Yes. So I was recovering from heartbreak, right? So that's why I was there. The program's called Celebrate Recovery, and it really helps you overcome any hurt, habit, or hangup that you have in your life. Yeah, yep. I didn't know what I was getting into, but I I joke that I was tricked by God because at this point, he knew how I'm wired. He knew that I might not show up for me, but I would show up for all these humans, and I would not fail them, right? So (laughs) he put me pretty instantly into a position of leadership to lead all these women through recovery. And then it was just this beautiful outpouring that kept happening. I've never prayed so hard or seen so many miracles in my life, but it was just wild what he was doing all the while. Like I legit am going through a healing process alongside everybody else. So it was super powerful. That's amazing. What What did you learn from that relationship and from that healing journey? Yeah. I think what I learned was to to see what allowed that into my life, because I needed to have empowerment to know where I gave that access, that this wasn't just about this person, or I'm not going to make them out to be this wicked, evil human. Like, no, I mean, this person actually led me to God. Like there could be zero hate for this person, right? Like (laughs) that was actually the greatest gift that he gave me. Right. So it's like, yeah. Um, But what I really learned was to start looking at what was unhealed in me. Right. So I started to actually investigate how my heart could be sick or how it could be wicked or how it could be deceitful in the sense of it's not leading me to good places. It's leading me to people that don't mean me well. It's leading me to detours that are not of God. It's leading me into distraction. It's leading me into exhaustion and overwhelm. And just this feeling of coming up short, like you're accomplishing so much, but like, what do you actually get from that? Right. It doesn't feel like you're progressing. You're just doing all these things, but you're not getting anywhere. So I learned in this relationship to slow down and to really put God front and center. Because what I recognized was I don't know what love is. Mm. I know what I think it looks like. I know what I think it should feel like, but I don't actually know what it is. 
Yeah. And then I was sitting in church thinking, well, I don't know what it is because I don't know the author. And I'm this sitting on so that, good. like, well, what is so one? Good. Right. I was like, well, what does one do with this? Like, if I don't know the author, am I willing to slow my life down and create space to meet him? Am I willing to do that? Because that's going to be disruptive. That's going to change everything I know. That's going to probably change everybody I'm connected to. That's going to probably change some things that I'm doing. That's going to probably change my entire life. And am I willing to go on that journey? And at that point, the answer was yes, because I felt like I had I didn't have any time to waste or I'd already lost so much or like I couldn't afford to not have this answer. I couldn't afford to not know love because that's so important to me. Like I value relationship and to sit in this place of, I don't know how to love well. What am I going to do with that? Like, what have I been doing this whole time? Right. And you sit in that really sit in it. I was sitting thinking, well, if I don't know how to love well, that definitely means that I don't love me well, which is really what he wanted to teach me. Right. I'm like, well, where did that start? Or how do I heal that? And that I just couldn't even fathom doing without God. I had no idea what that looked like. And at this point, I'd already done a lot of the self-helpy things, right? I I I'm like, you know, I've done the programs. I've read the books and like, we're good. Like, I love myself, right? So you think like self-care is love. And I'm like, no, when it comes to your heart, like I'm truly not loving myself. I'm truly not supporting myself. Like I'm not on my own team. I don't have my own back and I don't even know what that would look like or what that would feel like. I've never had that in my life. And only God could teach me that. And until he does, I can't actually have that with anybody else. Yeah. And right. that is so good. I love how you say that because if you cannot love yourself, yes, then how are you in a position <laughs> to even receive true love, right? Or how are you in a position to know if what you are receiving from that individual who's standing before you, who is declaring how much they love you yet betraying you at the same time through so many different avenues, how do you know that that is real love? You can't know that that is even real love unless you love yourself. And the only way you can love yourself is you have to know the author mm-hmm. first. Mm-hmm. So that was definitely a part of your healing journey. 100%. Was, was coming to know the love of God in your life and then coming to know n- not only his love for you, but really finding out how to love yourself and what that looked like, which meant, you know, really unearthing what's in your heart unearthing your heart's desires. Like you said, having your own back, setting healthy boundaries, mm-hmm. adhering to the boundaries, even though it might be difficult, yep. adhering to the boundaries, because why? Because that's loving yourself. Yep. And I think there's a woman that needs to hear that right now, because you're struggling with holding and maintaining a boundary in your relationship right now, because you're fearful of what he might do, but adhering to the boundary is actually loving yourself, Mm -hmm. which is what God wants you to do. Love your neighbor as yourself. You cannot love someone else the way God desires you to, unless you truly love yourself. So this was a part of your healing journey. What, so this is a twofold question for you. What are some of the other ways that you ventured into that led to healing from that? And um, 
what was it like healing with God? Yeah, love this double hitter. Um, <laughs> uh, you know and truly, like God gets all the credit for this. I'll say what what I had was desperation for Him finally, and a willingness to actually go on this journey. And I told Him, I was like, God, I'm going to give you a year. <laughs> Which oh, is yeah. hindsight, right? But I'm like, I'm giving you this year to see if like you show up and you're real and like all the things. Like we'll see what happens. Yeah. But I was willing just to be humble, pliable, moldable, like just really a beginner. Like I was willing to be this child. that's like, okay, God, like reparent me basically. Like I wasn't loved well, like you can do that though. Right. So show me how much you love me. Show me who you are. Like really help me through this journey. And I would just ask it and expect it. Right. Because I'm, I don't know better. So I'm just asking you and I'm expecting you to show up and we're just going to see what happens. Right. But I'm looking for evidence of God everywhere. So that's one thing that just practically happened, I just was very childlike, like, look, I don't come from this. I don't know how this works. Like, I don't have, you know, a whole lot of religion to work through here. It's just like, who are you? Like, show me, like, I will do what you tell me to do, but like, I've got to like hear and be led by you. And that's really what I craved. I'm like, can I hear you and be led by you? Because that would probably be the thing that changes my life. Right. If anything, that's probably going to be it. So I was very expectant. And then the other thing was I started to see pretty quickly that what he was doing with me was he wanted to unlock my creativity for him. So any gift, any talent, any ability that I had, right. Cause they're irrevocable. They can operate anywhere, but it was almost like he wanted me to start doing all these things that were spoken over my life in different seasons, but I hadn't credited it to him. So people would always say like, do you journal? Like you should be writing. And I'm like, that's funny. Like, that sounds like punishment. Like, no, I don't journal. Like you want me to go to my room and sit in the corner and like, write? Like, no, like that. Have you seen writers? Like they don't end well. Like they're depressed. They're unhappy humans. Like that is not my destiny. Like we're not going to do it. I would just shut it down. And people would keep saying, do you write? You really need to like write your story. And I'm like, no, like, you know what I mean? To the point where it was like sort of annoying, like people would keep coming and saying, but when I came into relationship with God, that's what he was telling me to do. He's telling me to write all the time. He was like, I need you to practice stillness, like just be with me. And at this point I joke because two years prior to relationship with him, he had been slowing me down. I had mm -hmm. sought out a yoga program. So I thought I could like manufacture peace, right? Like this is how yeah. you get that peace, right? So he had slowed me down because for weekends of getting this teacher training, all I was doing was sitting on my butt. Oh, wow. Right? Like that, like that's your requirement. Like you've got to go to this like studio and sit here and like breathe and like, you know, feel the stuff that comes up, think about what you're thinking about. And I'm like, this is wild. So when I ran into him, I would have no excuse to actually sit, be still and meditate and study his word which was hysterical. I'm like, what in the world? Like you've been priming me for this moment. Yeah. So a lot of it was instead of running from what I knew I needed to do, which was be still and let God recalibrate me and change my rhythm entirely, rather than running from that, sit in it. And then the other things he knows me to be productive was to write it out, <laughs> was to just start writing and let him create through me and start learning with that experience was. So he had me serving in that ministry where I was loving like him, where I was being his hands and feet, where I was learning how to pray, where I was seeing him show up in the lives of other people. And you're like, what is happening? Right? Like it's totally God, right? You can take no credit. So I'm having these epic things happen over here. He's creating through me now. And I had turned off all the noise. 
So anything that was hindering me from hearing him, I shut it down. So it could be simple things. If he, no radio in the car, if I'm in the car, it's going to be either, you know, a podcast, a sermon, or I'm just talking to God. That's what we're going to do. Right. Or at home, it's like no TV. There could be worship music, but there's going to be no TV, no other noise that prevents me from hearing him. There's not social media. There's not, you know, FOMO, this fear of missing out. Like we're just going to miss out and we're going to learn that we're not missing out in missing out. Right. So we, we developed Jomo, the joy of missing out because God (laughs) had something for me that I didn't want to miss. And so I would just literally spend time with him. When you think about relationship, it's like you're spending quality time with that person. And so I just started intentionally doing that. I started like walking my home, like learning how to pray and like pray against things. It was wild, but I just literally anything that he would tell me to do, I would just obey. That was my mission. I need to hear you and I need to obey you and get really, really good at it. So that's what I was doing. And then he just guided me to very experiential, practical things. So he changed my diet. He had me on this six week, no sugar diet, just because he knew that I was going to go through a lot of emotion and a lot of psychology, right? And that my hormones and all of that needed to be strong in a different way. So he cleaned out my diet. He had me invest in like a different workout program from home. So I would just be like getting strong physically. Cause when you're getting strong physically, you're actually learning a different kind of strength too. It's a different muscle. So when you feel strong physically, that applies. You can translate that to other areas of your life. He had me serving. So I couldn't just focus on me and like, woe is me, my life. Like he didn't allow me to get stuck in that. He had me in a space where I'm in leadership. So I have to be accountable to something and I have to be vulnerable. I have to let people see me. I have to let them pray for me and cover me and be there for me. And I wasn't used to having that kind of community or even a sense of family. So he had that going on. He had me creating, right? (laughs) And he had me literally studying his word. Uh, So much of the word that I know now was probably that season because I was literally like getting it in me. So he had it very practical, but very full at the same time. Yeah. And I love the word that you just spoke (laughs) where it's like you were to sit and be still. Yes. And then to write what you heard, yep. right? Yep. So that you could then create from it. And I think that, you know, when we have gone through any kind of trauma in life, when we have dealt with these things, we try to stay ahead of it. We want to either sweep it on the rug. We want to go around it. We don't want to deal with it. We want to deny it. Mm-hmm. But instead of that, there are times that God calls us to sit in it, yep. right? Yep. We need to embrace it. We need to face it. We need to call it as it is, acknowledge and accept it, and then sit and listen to God because God does have something for us in this healing journey. And then journal that out with him. So from that can come an overflow of direction and guidance in what he has for us in our recovery journey, because what he has is far more than we could ever dream or imagine. He wants so more for us as women of God. And so, but it takes being still to be willing to not deny and work our way out of it, but just stop long enough to take that moment to be still so that it can all start from there. And so my next question is something that, you know, I I really kind of want to spend a little bit of time on because in the society in which we live today, and I am... 
I'm very, I'm just going to get on my soapbox a little bit. Okay. I'm going to get on my preaching box a little bit. If you're on the preach box, I'm ready for it. I'm on the preach box, but I am one that is strongly against this victim mentality, strongly against it. But there are so many in society and, and unfortunately, so many podcasters, so many YouTubers, therapists and counselors and, and others that keep women in a victim mentality and they keep them in sur- surviving ship, if that's a word. If not, I just made it up. So, you know, But they, they keep us in this survival mode. You know, you're a victim and you have to survive. I do not agree that that is of God. I think that is totally against the word of God. God called us to be victorious through the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. He called us to walk our lives in as victors in Christ. We were never to just survive, but to actually thrive as his children. And so for you coming through all of this and 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 coming out of that kind of relationship how did you not fall into a victim mentality totally well i think something that happens too it's when you are constantly being transformed by the renewing of your mind you can't be a victim is what Ooh, i was saying on, right like you just you yeah. can't it's like cuz you start waking up to your identity you start waking up to your power you start waking up to your resource you start waking up to who is guiding you, leading, providing, protecting, covering, all of that. And when you've never had that in your life and then you run up on that, you're like, whoa. Like, one, like, if that kind of attack was launched against me my entire life, like, those are just, like, a couple of pieces that we shared here of trauma. But if, like, this massive attack has been on my life, why, though? Mm, Yes. Yes, And I'm like, ooh, like, okay. Because you don't attack somebody that you're not, afraid of, or that's not a weapon of mass destruction against the enemy. Right. So I'm like, okay, like, what was he after here? Actually? Like, he's afraid that I'm going to wake up to something or that I'm going to access something. Like, I'm curious about that now. And then also, you know, and in studying the word and it's Joyce Meyer that says this, but she says, you can be pitiful or powerful, but you can't be both. Oof, exactly. And I'm like, I'm done with that pitiful part. Like I'm done with a part. That's like, this is my sad story. And I actually went to grad school for film production. So at one point, one of the professors was like, your life is like too melodramatic to be a movie. And I'm like, well, TV series then let's do that. Like, (laughs) I'm like, did I pass? Like what a weird comment, but like, literally it's like, there was an attachment even to the story. Like you're just that woman that has all this like sad stuff happen to you. And like, there's no hope for your life. Like, no, like that is not going to be the story. And so to me, I'm like asking myself now, what would it be like to be powerful? What would it be like to access these things that God says I can have? What would it mean to actually not pass on cursing, but pass on blessing? What would that look like? And if I'm the one that's able to do that, what's required of me? So I'm like, okay. And I'm not alone in this. Like there's all these heroes of the faith that have these crazy stories. I used to love I didn't like reading, which is funny now, but I didn't like reading. And I came across chicken soup for the soul. Yeah. Oh man. Like these are my people, right? Like I'm not alone. Like these got these crazy stories and they like, you know, turn around somehow, but that's the Bible, right? Like chicken soup for the soul, like is the Bible. Like these people have these crazy stories, but with God, they like turn into these things that like don't make sense. And I'm like, there's hope for me. Like 
I'm qualified as like this peculiar person to be a giant weirdo in the faith that starts doing epic things in the world. And there's a verse that I love. It's part of my life mission now, but it says those people that know their God shall be strong and do exploits. Mm. And I'm like, I'm that chick. Like, I'm going to be the one that is strong and that does exploits. Like, God, what are these things? Like you said, and I'm just going to believe you because I don't really believe it, but I'm going to believe you <laughs> by faith yes. that you have a good plan for me. And it's not for any of this stuff that I walk through. Right. And that's why you've kept me. Right. Mm-hmm. Like if I'm walking, you've got purpose on my life and I'm not going to screw yeah. that up. But now I don't want to run it anymore. Like you call the shots, like you're the director, like you're the producer of this thing. Like, let's go, like feed me the line, give me the script, like help me act yeah. the way you designed me to help me operate as who that person is, like who you actually form shaped and anointed me to be. That was distorted, but now I want to know who that is. And I want to walk in her. I want to be so strong in her. Like all these things that the the enemy stole, courage, confidence, boldness, security, stability, wholeness, like hook me up. Like (laughs) like it says, ask, seek, knock. Like I'm going to ask and seek and knock for these things that were stolen from me because now I'm upset. Right. I'm like, you stole my stuff. Like I want my stuff back. It's kind of like what started happening. And now that I have my stuff back, I'm like, I'm going to help other people get their stuff back. And not just that, like take new territory. Like that's what became exciting to me. It started to really just be, I don't want to pass on all these stories. That was like the fatal flaw of these people before me. They identified in being the victim and that became their story. Yeah. Right. But I am going to choose that I'm not and that there's more that God has for me and become the person that actually walks that out. I want, I'm going to literally be God's next success story. I'm going to be an example of what's possible with him. Like, I'm going to do that. I'm going to get delivered from this heartbreak. Right. I'm going to step into what he says I can have. Like, I'm literally going to take it with him as he guides me into it. But that's what I'm going to do. Like, there is no victim story. Like it's no longer an identity. If that's no longer part of my identity, I don't subscribe to any of the characteristics of that. And if that's not it, instead, what am I? If I'm victorious, how does a victorious woman walk? Mm, Exactly. Right. What does she think? What does she feel? What does she decide? How does she move? What does she do? What does she not do? Right. Like that is what I'm going to program and I'm going to get really good at it. Like I'm going to make it practical spirituality. Like, yes. I'm going to literally make this very real for me and simple for me. Because if it's too complicated, I won't do it, right? That's just the human in all of us. But I'm going to keep it simple. And I'm going to make it something that's just so obvious. Like, people aren't even going to need to hear what I say. They're just going to see my walk and know who I'm walking with. Yeah. And what I love in that is you said, I made the choice. Yes. Because that's the key. You know, we can't hold up this banner. And this is how I describe it. There's either the banner of victim or there's the banner of victory, right? You can't hold up the banner of both. You have to choose which banner you're going to live under, right? And the banner of victory is the one that Christ paid for. He paid for with his blood, which makes us priceless. So he never desired for us to be a victim at all. But you're right. It is a choice that we may, as women who have come through, we can be victimized. We could have these things happen to us, but there comes a point where we have to make the choice of, am I going to allow myself to constantly writhe in what has happened to me? Or am I going to take what has happened and then let it catapult me into who I really am? And you and I talked about this earlier, 
about the identity thing and about how we need to start asking ourselves the question when we've come through trauma and during the healing journey, who do I want to become? And you just described that. What does she look like? What does she eat? How does she act? How does she carry herself? Right. All of those things. We need to be asking ourselves these questions and then start living it out daily. And I like to say it to the women that that I um, coach with. I'm like, picture her in the distance. I want you to get a visual on her because that's who you really are in Christ. Mm -hmm. Now look at her. Now daily, what you do is you now start taking the daily steps to reach her. She's waiting on you Mm -hmm. and she's ready. It's just, are you going to make the choice to start that, right? So what are, if it, some of the women who are listening are saying, this sounds great. And yes, that's what I want. Like, I, I hear you. Yeah. What are some of the strategies? Like, I, you know, what I, I hear this and I hear that, you know, God's in the midst of it. But I know there's got to be something on my part that I do because we partner with God in our healing journey. 100%. So share share with the ladies, what are some of the strategies, some of the practical things you did? God met you there. He did what he does. For but sure. What did you do to, sure. not, to not stay a victim? Yeah. Well, I think that that process that I was mentioning, that stillness is something that you keep right? So if you're going to go higher and do greater, that needs to be deeper and wider, right? So like your stillness practice has to be deeper, more intentional, take up more space in your calendar. If you're going to be doing more things, right? You have to keep that stillness practice. So that's not just like this fun season where you learn to get still, like that's a strategy. Also, I think that asking God for strategies is a strategy, right? And like all of these words that are in the word are keys that unlock destiny. And so something that he had given me, I had met my very first coach in 2008. And then I became certified a year later in 2009. I've been coaching ever since, but I just remember she was asking me questions that I had been running from my whole life. And I was like, Oh, (laughs) I had a thought that I was like, okay, I'm more afraid of how, what's going to happen to me if I don't answer these questions than how I'm going to pay you. Right. And I'm like in grad school doing all the things at the time. Right. So I'm like, but I'm more afraid of what's going to happen if I don't show up to this assignment, really, really afraid. So with that, I would say there are things that you can't necessarily unpack by yourself and that God will guide you to tools, to resources, to people. And will you invest because it will require something of you. So that's often what I think. I don't just think like, yay, dream her up, like do that part because that's important, but there's requirements to be her. There's required, like there's sacrifices that you're going to have to make. Like, it's not just like a poof, like Disney movie. I just like, like we would love that. Right. But you don't learn anything in that. Yeah. So it's going to require like you making time for you on your calendar. I remember reading this book called The Artist's Way and she had two really great things. I didn't think I was creative. So I was going to read this book called The Artist's Way to like unlock my creativity while in film school, like the irony, right? 
So I like, I'm reading this book and she talks about how she goes on these like artist dates. And I'm like, what the heck is an artist date? And she literally just blocks time, non-negotiable her time on her calendar to do whatever her soul needs that day. You can go to like a book score, you can take a movie, like take yourself to a movie, you can go have a coffee with yourself, but it's just like you literally giving yourself what you need. And I had no me time on my calendar at all. This was like a foreign concept. So learning to do that, like have appointments for me on my calendar and then okay. also have like God appointments on my calendar. Like he's the most important person for me to meet with. So I'm going to like schedule it in if I have to. Yeah. Or journaling was huge. That was another piece of this artist way. She had this practice of dumping, just brain dumping three pages straight without doing anything with it, just to get it out of you. Cause subconsciously all that stuff is blocking you. And what I learned in doing that was I was tired of my story. Like, girl, like you are a horrible storyteller. Like you're done. Like this story is like, oh, this is good. Right. Like it's so sad, kind of pathetic, even at this point. Like, are you going to keep living this every day? Like God's mercies are new every day. You keep living this old story. And why though? Why oh, are you doing that? I mean, like, this, is, this is so good. You know, I, um, on one of the broadcasts that I did earlier, I talked about how our story becomes like the Groundhog Day movie. Yes. And, and it's like yeah. we walk up to that ticket counter. We hate the movie. Yeah. The movie yeah. Things like it, it's just treacherous in our lives. But yeah. we buy the ticket yeah. and then we watch the movie and then we leave there and go, why did I do that to myself? I hate that movie. But we return to the box office and we get another ticket. Yes. And we keep doing it over and over and over to ourselves, reliving the story over and over, which does us no good. No good. No good. And I was sitting in it. And I'm like, okay, one, like God is not a horrible storyteller. So like what gives then like two, <laughs> like if that's the case, like, and he says that you're this powerful person has this good plan for your life. Like, how are you going to partner with him? So he gave me this download with coaching. There's this tool called the wheel of life. Right. And it's, to me, fundamentally flawed, right? Like I kept seeing this everywhere. Like you're at the center of this wheel and then you have all your life areas, your health, your relationship, your hobbies, like all the things, right? And you're supposed to just rate it on a scale of one to 10, 10 being like, this area is amazing. I'm so amped about it. And like zero being like, we don't talk about it. So I was like, but the problem with this thing is that you're at the center and that you're constantly evaluating how happy or not you are, which is just a setup to be miserable right? So you're just constantly looking at what's not working, where I haven't arrived yet. Like why this human is showing up that way. And if they would just change, then my life would be better. So it's abandoning accountability, abandoning responsibility and giving you this false expectation that it's supposed to be a 10 all the time for you to be happy. Right. And I'm like, this is awful. Like I didn't invent this industry or this tool, but like, this can't be it. And God took me on this adventure of like redeeming every single life coaching tool or like self-help tool that he had ever exposed me or that I had ever been exposed to. So with this, I call it spirit driven success, but literally like the wheel now has God at the center yeah. and then all the areas are different. So it's like divine assignments, divine work, divine health, divine relationships, right? All of that. And then you still have this rating of one to 10, but 10 is how surrendered are you? Mm, like so how much control does God have of this area of your life? And like zero would be, you haven't even talked to God about it yet. Like he has no access to this area of your life. So looking at that, that to me gives you practical steps to take one. You can see what life area is very weak. 
and where God is wanting access. And then you could say, okay, God, what is it that you want me to do? Or lead me to the people, lead me to the tools, lead me to the strategies. And he will, and you have to decide, are you ready? And are you willing to do what he shows you? And if not, God, give me the courage to be ready and to be willing to do what you show me because it'll come like he's faithful. He will tell you the things and they'll be very practical. He might say, cut off that relationship. Right. Are yeah. you ready and willing to do that? Right. Or like, maybe that's the work he's going to prepare you to get to a place where you are ready and willing, or it could yeah. be, you know, move to this place that I will show you, you know, in my case, what he was doing, he was making me restless in the ministry that I was serving in. I had been in it for close to three years. I'm like, but there's more though. Like when you actually get deliverance and healing, there's more though. Like why are we still talking about our pain and hanging out and like having like sessions about it? Like there's more though, like where's the more? So I just didn't take on responsibility. He just told me to stay excellent and be faithful. And then when the time is right, he led me to ministry school. Yeah. And taught me all about the prophetic. And I was like, this though, like, this is the more yeah. that you're talking to me about, but it's, are you willing to stop doing business as usual? Are you willing to stop doing that last thing that I told you that worked to do this bigger thing that you're actually called to that? You don't know what it is yet. Like, I didn't even know what the word prophetic was. I had to Google that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and it would be like following your hunches. Like that was something I, I do this thing called ministry cations where I like send myself somewhere usually tropical oh, yeah. and still have yeah. a good time with God on my birthday every year. One thing came up that year and it was a prophetic leadership conference in Florida. So literally the only thing that came up on my dates. I'm like, what up God? Like this has to be you. Yes, yes. So I'm this weirdo flying across the country to people that I don't know. And there was things that were preventing that. So there was um, all of these crazy, it was like hurricanes. It was in Florida. So it was all these like crazy hurricanes that they didn't know where it was going to go. And it like jumped over to this area where the <laughs> event was going to be. So it got postponed and I'm like, what in the world? Like, I know you told me this though. So it was, are you going to get refunded and not show up? Cause you heard God wrong. Are you going to trust that he told you to go to that thing? So yeah. it ended up being months later, uncomfortable months that felt like years. Right. And I still go to this conference and I'm like, oh yeah that was you. And then he sent me back to launch, help be a part of a pre-launch community for a prophetic church that was being planted here. So okay. if I didn't trust him, if I didn't like follow those hunches or just move off what I know he said and trust his timing, I wouldn't have seen that stuff happen. Yeah. Right. So yeah. it's following these. It's not a random idea. It's a God idea. Will you treat it as such? Yeah. And will you just let him unpack it with you and evolve it? And will you go through all the things that are required for that to happen? Yeah. And it all comes down, like you said, it comes down to the surrender. Yeah, it does. And, and a lot of times I believe that we hold on so tightly because of fear, fear uh -huh. of the unknown. We, we hold on to the relationship. We hold on to, um, well, if I, I'm, I'm really feeling deep down inside that God is calling me to walk away from this because this is toxic and this is not healthy. But if I walk away from it, then I've been told all my life that this is against God's will. So I'm going to go against God. And there are just so many things that we deal with when in reality, if we just come down to surrender and walk it out by faith, God will direct us. He's yeah. not going to let us flounder in that. 
It literally is walking it out by faith and not by what you see. And I think too many times we hold on to things by sight instead of releasing by faith. Right. And I think he's teaching like to that point back to not knowing love. Right. Yes. My, My mission, my assignment became God. Like my intention is to know you and to move in step with you but I don't know you (laughs) and I don't know how to move in step with you. So it became like God's vibes, right? Like it's starting to understand, like, how does God think? What is God's character? What is his heart? How does he move? What does he care about? Right. What is he looking for? Like what's actually required of me? Right. Like studying that. And like that started replacing my story, what I've walked through, the things that I've known, like that became the focus. Like, who are you? What do you care about? How do I walk in step with you? Right. Then you're learning about Holy Spirit. You're learning about the fruit of the spirit. Like you get kept very busy when you start asking God these better questions because he shows you what to do. But it's very practical. It's very active. Yeah. And through that, you come to know yourself. You come to know your identity again and you start to become who you really were created to be, which is exactly what women who have gone through betrayal desire they have lost their identity they don't know you know where they want to end up they just know i hear the word peace constantly yeah and the way to peace is through surrender mm-hmm. and surrendering to god in this journey and to just flesh this journey out with him is going to take you to that place of peace and rediscovery and wholeness and healing once again. I love that. Well, one last thing that I really want to ask you is, you know, the, the ladies who listen to this broadcast, they've been betrayed by the one that they vowed to. Mm-hmm. The one that they trusted with everything in life. The one that they really... Uh, believed in their heart that was God designed for them. And they've been betrayed at the deepest level, the deepest hurt that you could possibly imagine. Mm -hmm. If you could speak to their heart right now, Mm -hmm. what would you tell them? Yeah, I love this. Well, what you can know is, is God, right? Like I have too. Yeah. Right. God knows the, the ultimate betrayal, right? Like there's no experience, pain, shock, trauma that is beyond him or that he hasn't sat in or walked through or overcome. Right. And it wasn't about you. Right. Sometimes we go through that and we think like, what did I do wrong? Why did I cause this? And it can go into this shame cycle, which is definitely not God but it wasn't about you. And for that to happen, that means that this other person first betrayed themselves. So you are on the other side of a lot of betrayal. And in what ways did you betray yourself as well? Because often what this is, is an invitation to love, a love that you've never known, an invitation to the most freedom that you've ever experienced in your life. A lot of times what God is saying here is that I'm going to make you a safe place to be. I'm going to give you such mind peace, right? Such supernatural peace in your mind where you're not like ruminating on things anymore. And you don't all have all this vain imagination and all of this stuff going through your brain anymore. You're just going to have a clear mind. Imagine that he's going to 
stabilize your emotions. So you're not constantly processing the same ones over and over again, or moved into things by emotion that were just patterns that were subconscious from back in the day, or he's going to heal your heart so that you can actually identify what real authentic love is and what it's not, or deeper than that, allow you to love like him. He's giving you this opportunity to know pain, but it doesn't stop there. That's only the start of a much bigger journey. He wants you to really know love and how greatly he loves his kids and how you can be an instrument of that in the world and how you would never be if you kept track in the way you were. So this is actually his great mercy at work. This is him redeeming the time, restoring the years of locusts of Eden, giving you double for your trouble, giving you more than you can ask, think, or imagine. Like that's all out ahead of you. And it wouldn't have happened unless you ran into this. But this is just the beginning of what he is about to do and what he's inviting you into, which is wholeness, that shalom piece, right? Nothing missing, nothing broken, but on the inside of you, like I'm going to make you solid. I'm going to make you stable. I'm going to make you steady. I'm going to allow you to be overwhelmed by my love so much more, so much so that it can't help but pour out of you. So much so that you're going to be on a very different assignment, one that's going to fulfill you in ways that you didn't even know were possible. You don't see beyond this, but like that's truly where he's leading and guiding you. And it gets to get good for you. It gets to get good for you. It gets to get better. And you get to be a part of this much bigger story. It's not just her story, your story. It's his story, which is so much bigger. Like this is just a little blip. You don't believe it now, but this is just a little blip in a much bigger picture and it doesn't end here right like he is literally just getting started oh what a good word (laughs) what a good word well I will tell you that I have been blessed beyond measure today like you have ministered to my heart you've been you've been an instrument in the hands of God in my life today And so for that, I am so grateful that he has brought us into each other's lives. I am so grateful that we were able to come on this broadcast so that you could just minister to all the women who are listening. I know, ladies, that you have been blessed beyond measure as well. Go back and listen multiple times because there's so much here. (laughs) But before we leave today... Where can everyone find you? Because I really, you've got to follow her. You've got to listen to her. She's amazing. But where can they find you? Yes. Well, thank you for allowing me to be a part of just this little piece of a much bigger story that you're walking out and the work that you're doing in the world. It's truly an honor and a privilege to be here. People can find me over at julianapage.com. That's going to have the links to books, podcasts, coaching, so much more, but that's where you can find all the links. And of course you can listen to God's vibes. Yes. And definitely listen to God's vibes. (laughs) I just love listening to you. You're amazing. Ladies, thank you again for another beautiful broadcast and we will see you soon. Thanks for stopping by today and spending a little while with me. I hope you enjoyed today's show and found hope, healing, and encouragement please remember to subscribe to my podcast and leave a review. You can even screenshot this episode and share it on IG or Facebook stories. This is how we get the message of hope and healing out to all women who are in the midst of betrayal and loss. If you're ready to move out of the devastation of betrayal and take the next step in your healing, make sure to reach out to me and schedule your breakthrough coaching call today. Until next time, 
love God, live your life passionately, and always choose joy in the midst of any circumstance that you may face. Cheers to you, beautiful.